Five Av, Hey Av, Tzaddik, His Conversations, 482. The Rebbe once spoke to me on the subject of humility and how being humble is the true goal of life, etc. He also discussed the ideal of serving God for the sake of it and not for a reward and the apparent problem that it seems impossible not to want at least something as a reward. In raising these questions, the Rebbe had read my thoughts because the very same questions had been on my mind at the time. The Rebbe did not offer any solutions, but merely by speaking about the problems, it was as if he was saying he was aware of all the thoughts which were troubling me, even though it was not yet possible to put them to rest. From what he said, I understood that it was only through hard work in one's devotions, prayers, and entreaties to God that one could be worthy of knowing the ways of true humility and serving God without ulterior motives. May it be God's will that we will soon be worthy of all this. 483. It once happened that we had troubles one particular month because the moon was not visible at all and the Kiddush Levana, the sanctification of the moon, was not recited. Afterwards, the Rebbe said that the Kiddush Levana should be recited as early in the month as possible, and that one should start trying to say it even before the first seven days of the month had elapsed. He told us to examine the halachic sources, and we found that the majority opinion was in favor of reciting the Kiddush Levana before the seventh of the month on the basis of the law of the Talmud. Once I delayed with the Kiddush Levana, The Rebbe told me that as soon as the moon became visible from amid the clouds, I should say the blessing over it just as it was, as soon as I saw it. He meant that I should pay no attention to unnecessary stringencies at all. As soon as the moon is visible from amid the clouds, one is duty-bound to consecrate it just as it is. Editor's note, it goes without saying that when the Rebbe spoke of the moon being visible from amid the clouds, he meant light translucent clouds, as laid down in the halacha. Rebbe Nachman's wisdom, his wisdom, 225. A man had been told that it was impossible to understand the Kabbalah without fasting and frequent immersion in the mikvah. He saw the Rebbe in Uman and asked him about this. The Rebbe answered, It is possible to know the wisdom of Kabbalah without this for it is wisdom. He explained, the reason why the main Kabbalistic work, Eitz Chaim, and other such works are so difficult to understand is because they are not written in order. Where science and philosophy end, that is where true wisdom, which is Kabbalah, begins. See Likutei Halachot, Netilat Yedayim 6.79. Scientists and philosophers can only speculate within the bounds of the physical world. They can reach up to the stars and galaxies, but beyond that, they know absolutely nothing. Even their understanding of the physical world is very incomplete, as they themselves admit. The wisdom of Kabbalah begins where their wisdom ends, beyond the physical world. The Kabbalah includes the entire physical world as part of the world of action. Its teachings then go beyond the world of action to the worlds of formation, creation, and emanation. The world of action also has a spiritual level beyond the realm of science and philosophy. The Kabbalah speaks only of the spiritual roots of the world of action and above. Therefore, the Kabbalah begins where scientific knowledge ends. The Aleph Bet Book Envy and Jealousy A. 1. 
When envy is eliminated, it will herald the ingathering of the Jews from exile. 2. Jealousy brings to an outbreak of fires. 3. Envy leads to the shedding of innocent blood. 4. Anyone who is envious of another person's wealth turns foolish. 5. Visiting the tzaddik will eliminate your jealousy. 6. Jealousy causes a person's bones to rot. 7. Garlic roots out envy. 8. A person whose jealousy leads him to take revenge destroys his own home. 9. Envy saps one's strength. Rabbi Nachman's stories, The Seven Beggars. Rabbi Nussan adds, All this I heard explicitly. However, regarding the meaning of who, what, and when, the story is very deep. This involves the primary concept of the story itself. Who were the beggars? What were they? When were they? All this is too deep to be understood. Reb Nussin continues, The end of the story would involve the seventh day and the beggar without feet. However, we were not worthy of hearing it. The same is true of the end of the first part of the story regarding the king who gave over his kingdom to his son during his lifetime. Rabbi Nachman said that he would not tell any more. This is a great loss. We will not be worthy of hearing it until the Messiah comes. May this happen quickly in our days. Amen. Rabbi Nachman also said, If I knew nothing else other than this story, it would still be very extraordinary. He said explicitly that this story is wonderful and unusual. It contains many moral lessons and Torah lessons, and has in it many Torah concepts and many teachings. It also speaks of many ancient saints. Thus, King David stood at one end of the earth and screamed out to the spring which issues forth from the stone on the mountain. It is thus written, From the ends of the earth I call to you. When my heart is faint, lead me to a rock that is too high for me. Psalms 61.3 All this I heard from Rabbi Nachman's own mouth explicitly. From his words, it is obvious that King David is the heart mentioned in the story, where the heart of the world stands at one end of the world facing the spring and screams out in constant desire. Still, the ideas are obscure. Happy is he who is worthy of grasping the mystery of these stories. Rabbi Nachman's Stories The Seven Beggars Rabbi Nassim adds, All this I heard explicitly. However, regarding the meaning of who, what, and when, the story is very deep. This involves the primary concept of the story itself. Who were the beggars? What were they? When were they? All this is too deep to be understood. Reb Nussin continues, The end of the story would involve the seventh day and the beggar without feet. However, we were not worthy of hearing it. The same is true of the end of the first part of the story, regarding the king who gave over his kingdom to his son during his lifetime. Rabbi Nachman said that he would not tell any more. This is a great loss. We will not be worthy of hearing it until the Messiah comes. May this happen quickly in our days. Amen. Rabbi Nachman also said, If I knew nothing else other than this story, it would still be very extraordinary. He said explicitly that this story is wonderful and unusual. It contains many moral lessons and Torah lessons, and has in it many Torah concepts and many teachings. It also speaks of many ancient saints. Thus, King David stood at one end of the earth and screamed out to the spring which issues forth from the stone on the mountain. It is thus written, 
From the ends of the earth I call to you. When my heart is faint, lead me to a rock that is too high for me. Psalms 61, 3. All this I heard from Rabbi Nachman's own mouth explicitly. From his words, it is obvious that King David is the heart mentioned in the story, where the heart of the world stands at one end of the world facing the spring and screams out in constant desire. Still, the ideas are obscure. Happy is he who is worthy of grasping the mystery of these Rebnusen's stories. Letters, Year 1, Letter Number 195 With God's help, Sunday, Torah reading Ve'etchanan, 5595 My dear beloved son, I just now received your letter, and there is nothing new to report. We have not done anything yet, because we simply have no idea what to do. Many, many are still rising up against us, and we have no one to lean on but our Father in Heaven. Still, we will probably attempt to take some action in this matter, whatever God in His enormous compassion guides us to do. For one must receive the counsel of what to do from God through His great compassion and loving-kindness. Salvation comes from God. We are presently in a time of very great suffering, and these days of Bain Hametzarim, the three weeks from the 17th of Tammuz to the 9th of Av, are in any case a time of distress for Israel. Right now, the only vitality I have comes through the holy teaching of In Suffering You Gave Me Relief, Lekutei Moharan 1, 195. For amidst the sweep of pain and sorrow, I see awesome gifts of relief every day. This is beside the fact that my hope is in God, that He will soon rescue me from these straits entirely. He will certainly not abandon me or any of us, and everything is definitely for our good in this world and the next, forever. The news that you gave me about that money is also an incredible relief and help at such a time. How great are God's kindnesses! They are never-ending. His compassion never ceases. How I hope to God that everything will be all right with God's help. At the moment, though, we need salvation and very great mercy. My friend, Reb Itzela from Heisen, stayed here over Shabbat. God helped us, and yesterday, Shabbat, we spoke many words of truth that arouse and fortify the heart very much, to be tenacious and adamant in all one's good points, to grab everything we are able while in this world, and to remember that we have nothing in the world except the unification of God's blessed name every day. For the unification of God's name encompasses all the other devotions that a person accomplishes every day according to his level. Belief in God includes everything and is the foundation of everything. Time rushes by in a flash. No matter what we do, it keeps on passing. The days of our lives are pure vanity. In the end, we will have nothing but the holy faith that we merited through God's mercy to receive face to face from the true tzaddik of the generation the holy faith that our holy ancestors planted in our midst. Reb Letters, Year 2, Letter number 449 With thanks to God, Sunday, Tisa, 5604 Let happiness and joy take over. To my dear, beloved son, the learned Reb Yitzchak, may he live. Along with all his children, may they live. The deliverer of this letter came to my house, and he brought the scarf. I was extremely pleased because I needed it badly as the bearer of this letter will tell you. There is a great deal to write you, but it is time for the afternoon prayers, and the deliverer of this letter is in a great rush. 
I have conveyed everything to him, both regarding your traveling, that you should come for some Shabbat, and also concerning your coming to the wedding. In accordance with the custom the world over, and particularly that of the holy people Israel, it is certainly necessary for you to be at the wedding. Many of our comrades who have no familial connection to me at all, only a spiritual one, will undoubtedly be attending. So it certainly follows that you, my son, should, should be there. For who could be closer than you? Nonetheless, I do not wish to cause you aggravation if, God forbid, it is not possible. The Torah exempts cases of duress. However, it is incumbent upon you to do everything in your power and to petition God that you merit to be at the wedding and to rejoice together with us. Perhaps we will also merit, through our rejoicing together in the joy of the bride and groom, to have complete salvation sprout for you and for us in all that we need to be saved. It is all in God's hands. May He save you and give you success in all you undertake, and most importantly, in your spiritual endeavors. May you there and we here rejoice in the joy of this coming Purim. Before that, though, may we cry out and pray as we should tomorrow, God willing, on the fast of Esther, until we witness the fulfillment of, as you performed awesome deeds in those days, so may you work a wondrous, eternal salvation with us. From the Selichot of the fast of Esther. I am extremely hurried, and it is absolutely impossible to continue. The words of your father, waiting to see you in joy, along with your son, my grandson, David Svi, may he live. Let us be happy and rejoice in his salvation. Elisha ben Avuya. Elisha, father of Rabbi Yishmael Kohen Gadol. Elisha, father of Rabbi Yishmael, the friend of Rabbi Akiva. Elisha, the father of Rabbi Yossi. Elisha, the father of Rabbi Hoshua. Elisha Baal Knafayim. Rabbi Alachsa, Rabbi Alexandra, Rabbi Alexandri, Rabbi Alexandri Barchigri, Rabbi Alexandri Ditsiduki, El Natan, Rabbi Eli Hazakain, Rabbi Eli, Rabbi Eli ben Elazar, another version, Rabbi Eli ben Elisha, Rabbi Eli Bar Berechia, another version, Rabbi Elazar Bar Berechia, Rabbi Eli Bar Menachem, Elazar Shahaya Al Haparochet, Rabbi Elazar ben Kharsum, Rabbi Elazar ben Hananiah ben Chizkiah ben Gurion, Rabbi Elazar ben Arasan's prayers too. Prayer number twenty-nine on the Kutei Moharan two twenty-eight. Master of the world, you who are filled with compassion, have compassion on the outcry of your presence in this world, which, because of our evil deeds, calls out with a bitter outcry: "My head is heavy, my arm is heavy." Who can bear the sound of her bitter outcry? You alone know the anguish of this terrible and bitter outcry. Have compassion, have compassion from this moment onward. Guard me and rescue me from engaging in evil deeds and indulging in evil thoughts. In the merit and power of the true tzaddikim, help me truly return to you. May your presence take pride in us from this point onward receiving great delight and much pride from every one of us at every moment. Help us, enable us to repent completely and to swiftly rectify all that we have blemished before you with our eyes, from our youth until this day. We have willfully sinned in this regard a great deal, gazing with our eyes beyond the boundary of holiness. 
As a result, we have committed many terrible transgressions and sins, and we have incurred many blemishes. We have done that which is evil in your eyes. Woe to us, for we transgressed. We caused blemishes with our holy eyes that come from your eyes, Hashem, with which people can look at your pride, Hashem, and at the tzaddikim, and draw the holiness of the land of Israel onto every place they look at. In our great foolishness, we took our holy and awesome eyes and used them to look at what we looked at, until we came to what we came to, for our many sins. You who are filled with compassion, teach us how to rectify all of this. Help us and save us, so that we will beseech you, so that we will search for and find true tzaddikim, who are connected to the root of of our souls, and always travel to them. In particular, on the Holy Rosh Hashanah, which is the principal time of the Holy Gathering, may we be counted among the totality of your worthy nation of Israel who gather with the tzaddikim. As a result, may we truly return to you in complete repentance. May we look at their holy faces and, as a result, rectify all of the blemishes that we incurred with our eyes from our youth until this day. Draw unto us the light of the holy pride that is incorporated into their holy faces. As a result, may we draw the holiness of the land of Israel onto every place that we look at, until all of the places where Jews live will be sanctified with the holiness of the land of Israel. You who are filled with compassion, have compassion on us for the sake of your name. In your great compassion, have pity on us. May our hearts truly be aroused to return to you. May we clearly feel and know the awesome sweetness of the holy and wondrous taste of the land of Israel. From now on, may we yearn, long, be fervent and passionate about the land of Israel. May we engage in a great deal of prayer and intensify our search for your compassion. As a result of our impassioned pleas to you, may we come quickly to the land of Israel in peace and without harm. God of our salvation, help us for the sake of your name because our eyes are raised to you alone. Compassionately fulfill our requests for the good. Help us quickly attain all that we have requested of you. Be gracious to us and answer us. Hear our prayer, because you compassionately hear the prayer of every mouth of your nation, the Jewish people. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing before you, Hashem, my Rock and my Redeemer. Prayer number 30 on the Kutei Moharan 2.46 My soul yearns to exhaustion for the courtyards of Hashem. My heart and flesh sing to the God of my life. My heart and flesh have all but expired, rock of my heart. My portion is God forever. My spirit thirsts for God, for the living God. When will I come and see the face of God? I adjure you, daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, what should you tell him? That I am lovesick. I adjure you, the daughters of Jerusalem, why should you awaken, and why should you arouse love before it is ripe? Master of the world, you who are filled with compassion, you who love your nation, the Jewish people, you are great in counsel and mighty in deed. You know the myriad obstacles that keep us from the path of life. These obstacles stand against every one of us like walls of iron, like rushing rivers and streams of fire. They surround us, they encompass us all around. 
They surrounded me like water the entire day. They have all encircled me. Because of the multitude of these obstacles, we have been distanced from you tremendously. But in your vast compassion, you have informed us that you are hidden in the obstacles themselves due to your great love for all of the children of Israel, your nation. Whoever possesses awareness can enter into the darkness of the cloud and mist, that is, into the very core of the obstacles, and find you there, Hashem, because you, Hashem, are concealed and hidden in the obstacles themselves. But what shall I do? My lack of awareness is so great that I stand far away from you for so long, unable to overcome the many obstacles that stand in my way like walls and draw close to you. In truth, I know to some degree and believe with complete faith that I can break and nullify these obstacles, because in truth they are not obstacles at all. Nevertheless, they grow in strength against me and spread out before me, so that I do not know how to break them and nullify them. Therefore, I come to you who are filled with compassion, who grant awareness to every human being, to guide me, teach me, and give me awareness, understanding, wisdom, true intelligence, and true counsel at every moment. May I truly come close to you from where I am now. May I pass by and leap over all of the obstacles that are spread out before me. May I truly know and understand that all of these obstacles are but an illusion, a mirage, and that when a person bolsters his heart and strengthens himself against them by summoning great yearning and a powerful desire for you, Hashem, they are completely nullified before him. May I nullify and break all obstacles in the world, whether those caused by others, or by the desires of my own coarse body, or any other type of obstacle that hold a person back from the way of holiness and truth. As a result of your placing power and might in my heart to conquer my evil inclination, and strengthen my heart with tremendous encouragement to withstand these obstacles, may I break, nullify, and remove them all entirely. May I not be afraid of them at all. May I be victorious in the war and unharmed.